Hello, everybody out there on the internet. Welcome to another edition of Rooster Team Radio. Just dusts off podcast. Hi, welcome to the show. I'm I'm one of your hosts, the internet's Mark Bidonica, joined as always by Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. Megan Salinas. Hello. So, oh, that's that was too close. We I have to I have to talk to our to our friend Jen Brown about that because that was just a little too depressing to hear. But um, (laughs) I didn't even mean to. I'm sorry. I wasn't intentionally doing that. Oh, it was so it was. A little oh, scary. Baby. It was a little. Don't you're doing it. You're doing it more. Um, okay, that one was on purpose. Yeah, that one was. Oh, but uh, She's welcome. Never sorry. No, I, I. If there's anything that I've learned, um, welcome back into the show, everybody. It's been um, twenty twenty. has been a thing, hasn't it? Uh, the last time we joined you was for Ruby, and then we were doing. We started doing. Uh, an arc in our Welcome to Vale series, which we're still very proud of, and we still have intent to continue, but the world kind of fell ass over tea kettle, and it's just, to be completely honest, it's just been kind of hard to be in like a creative mode when the world is in its current state. So we appreciate your patience. We thank you for uh, staying with us. If you're listening to us now for the first time, hi, welcome. Uh, but also thanks to all of our, the the fine folks at our discord who have been keeping the, the discussion going in all of our forums. It's been a wonderful escape on top of everything else. And so is Animal Crossing. That's essentially the thing that I've been doing to try to stay sane is is getting my island up to, to five stars. KK Slider just showed up. That's that's <laughs> something for another time. But I wanted to it's a uh, good Saturday night concert. It's a fair there you, you know what? Oh oh crap, I need to get my switch. No, okay, no, we're doing this. <laughs> but um I wanted to just just in general, Katie Megan, how are you doing? Uh, we're doing our best for the most part. <laughs> That's we, a good way. Yeah, oh. it's, it's, the, the mantra has been, you do the best you can with what you have. And considering that we're all at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we are doing the best we can with what we have. I have acquired, I think at this point, 10 different masks that have various degrees of efficacy and cute designs. The best ones I've discovered have been handmade. Go figure. Um, I am also playing Animal Crossing, which is a genre of game that I have never really been into, but I started and it's been glorious. And I named my island Bob before I knew that there was a villager named Bob and then definitely spent a day and a half searching for Bob and was fortunate enough to find him. So now Bob lives on Bob and it is just the best thing ever. Hmm. Um, yeah, aside from that, it has been attempting to keep up a regular podcast schedule. Ridiculously grateful that Overwatch League is still a thing that's occurring. And petting the cat, because she's decided that we're not allowed to leave the house or her site ever again. <laughs> uh, all in all, um, the thing I keep coming back to is that I can't complain. I'm still fortunate enough to be employed during this very tumultuous time. I've got a roof over my head. I can afford to buy groceries. All in all, and, and luckily, all of my um, immediate friends and family are safe and healthy. And so I genuinely can't complain. I feel extremely, extremely lucky. But as you alluded to earlier, Mark, it is 
it's difficult. Like, even though I, I am super, super fortunate that, um, just given my current circumstances, it has been exceedingly hard to focus on any creative endeavors. Um, so the, the best thing I've been able to do is reminding myself how fortunate I am, taking it one day at, at a time, and just helping out where I can, you know, um, making the occasional donation, emailing representatives, things like that. Just, you know, you can't, you can't do everything all at once, but you can take things one step at a time and one day at a time. So just one foot in front of the other is the way I've been approaching things. That's great. Like it, it, any steps forward are still steps forward. And that's true. A, a wonderful thing to, to kind of remember. And, and I want <laughs> to, to not, not get super personal, but one of the things that I always look forward to in the summer is uh, a little show that we call Camp Camp. And I know that's, that's a little, that might seem a little superficial, but it, it helps, it, it helps a lot to sort of escape into the, the forest and and watch these kids on their zany adventures. And it's been a little bit harder this year with, uh, with everything going on and not being like, Oh, where's the show. But at the same time, studios have needs, people have needs, yada, yada, yada. I've gotten through it. I've gotten over it. I've rewatched my favorite episodes and I've got the soundtrack and listened to Richie Branson. He has a new record out, which everybody should go listen to. But uh, that sort of transitioning into, well, we're we're here to talk about the San Diego Comic Con panel that Rooster Teeth put on. It was a a, a very brisk thirty six minute show of the uh, the Zoom call presentations that we're all used to at this time, and we sort of have a look at what at the at what the rest of the year looks like when it comes to the animation slate over at RT Animation, and not. It, uh, if you if you told me that this was the slate for the rest of the year in March, this would seem like, ah, there's plenty of time to sort of ebb and flow and in and out and yada, yada, yada. But this is four shows that have already started and are probably going to be taking us all the way through to the end of the year. This is a big slate. So... Going through the four really quickly, RVB Zero, recorded by Arizal, War for Cybertron, Siege, and Ruby. That's huge. So in, in terms of y'all thoughts, in, instant sort of reactions to what the rest of the year looks like for the studio. These are a few of my favorite things. Legit. <laughs> Fall is going to be extremely heavy because we are looking at red versus blue and ruby at the same time potentially running concurrently and that is not something we've had for a while because i know ruby usually starts in like september october and runs through the end of the year but red versus blue has traditionally been a late spring early summer production with the april 1st company anniversary tending to be if not the start date for the season, then something that they shoot for. So having Red versus Blue pushed back this far is a little weird. And the fact that it was planned to be, to my understanding, it was planned to be like this before coronavirus. So I just, I find that a little weird. But also the team that's working on 
red versus blue looks like it might be 100% separate from the team that's working on Ruby. And it's been a good long while since that has been the case. So I, I, I find that overlap a little odd. That said, Arizal has been amazing so far. And I am intrigued that we have a Rooster Teeth show premiering on Netflix. I want to know what the contracts look like between Hasbro <laughs> and Netflix and Rooster Teeth, that this is what we're doing. Well, is Hasbro, Hasbro Television, is that, um, if it's Warner Brothers, then that's boom, boom, exclusive, not exclusive, but uh, totally understood as to why. I have no idea. Yeah. I have absolutely no idea. I remember a couple of years ago, there was talk of um, a Universal slash Comcast subsidiary acquiring Hasbro, which to hmm. me made sense given that Universal has produced all of the live action films. But I, I'll be honest, I have not been keeping up with that. I'm not a, I'm not a business student anymore, <laughs> so I don't have to pay attention to those things. Um, but... I mean, it is, I, it, it makes sense just in terms of the fact that Netflix is always looking for original content to push, um, you know, in, in multiple lanes, uh, when it comes to horror, when it comes to animation, they are all about owning that original content because the, uh, the streaming world has, uh, has become a lot more, uh, they, they have a lot more competition than they had previously. The streaming world is starting to look a lot more like cable, which is a problem. <laughs> I thought this hmm. is, we turned to the internet to get away from cable, but here it is. Um, that being said, uh, all that aside, I am really, really excited. You know, I'm never not going to be excited for any new Transformers things. I'm never not going to be excited about Ruby, especially considering the cliffhanger that we ended on at the end of the last <laughs> volume. Uh, what we've seen with Recorded by Arizal uh, so far has been utterly delightful and seems very much at home with the type of animated shows that Rooster Teeth has been producing so far. Namely, I, I like I look at Recorded by Arizal and it looks more like a kind of sci-fi version of Nomad, honestly. Uh, and I mean that as uh, a very high compliment, um, just in terms of tone and world building and things like that. Um, and uh, Red versus Blue, I, Katie and I were talking about this off mic a little bit. Um, I like that they're taking it in a different direction, uh, that we're stepping away from our, our reds and our blues for a little bit to kind of give them a break and give, you know, <laughs> because they've been through a lot. I, and I'm always, always, always pushing for anything that I absolutely adore in terms of storytelling. I'm always like, well, what about this aspect of the world? Like, what do the uh, accountants at S.H.I.E.L.D., what is their day-to-day -day like? So I, I'm always down for zooming in on an aspect of the world that I love and like just kind of spending some time there. And that's what 
RVB 18, season 18, looks like it's going to be. It's like, hey, we're stepping away from the Reds and Blues for a little bit and focusing on another group within their world. And I'm all about that right now. Yeah. The fandom has... Oh, go ahead. So as you're saying, so as we're talking about RVB 0, let's... Talk about the little bits of information that they gave. Uh, it's it does take place in the same universe as the all of the previous stuff, and it's shortly after the end of the last season. So the time loop is closed. Everything everything is sort of as we left it, and the only other sort of representation of the previous series is that some legacy characters may appear. And who knows who those characters may be. We're going to find out in the fall. But uh, I'm sorry for, for cutting you off, Katie. You were, you were going to say something about the wonderful fandom. Oh, the fandom has been saying, let them rest for a while now. <laughs> like, we've done so many stories with the Reds and Blues, and so much has happened. And seasons 15 through 17 were a mixed bag in terms of characterization, in terms of fan opinion, in terms of a lot of things. So I think at this point, a step back is what the series needs. It's like, we love these characters. They're not going away. But, you know, just just let them rest for a little bit. It's okay. Remember, we were all fine during season 14 when we had a bunch of one-off stories and it was great. Let's do that again. It'll be fine. So... I when they said, "Yeah, we might have some legacy characters make a uh, make an appearance." I looked at Megan and I went, "I'm calling it Junior cameo." Oh. So uh, that's that's where I'm putting that. His Junior showing up. <laughs> Shut up, Junior's amazing. No, Junior Hong Kong, one hundred percent. But um, <laughs> I uh, I just wanted to I I agree in the sense that the the show was getting really tired for me and as anybody who's a regular listener to our shows knows i sort of trail off anytime we start doing red versus blue stuff just because since the end of the chorus trilogy that's when i needed a break you know from from the reds and the blues and getting the little bits like when we talked about season 15 that's my prediction of when we got the three part episode of the Mercs, I was like, Oh, that's, this is the future of red versus blue because it's a diff it's, it was something so different, but still inherently red versus blue that I, I could have sworn that they were going to go all in on something like that, but we didn't. And that's fine. We still have the trilogy <laughs> to remember, but this while still being so inherently halo and in red versus blue is, it it feels like it it feels like something completely different. The trailer that they showed in the panel still had a lot of sweet action. We saw that there was a lot of motion capture. There is a lot of the same soul, and it looks like the, I'm I'm really excited to see what they do because while we've been in quarantine, my wife and I have, I've sort of been we've been expanding our scope of what rooster teeth stuff we watch together because it started with ruby and then camp camp and then yada 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 now we watch most every achievement hunter video and if anybody who doesn't watch achievement hunter it doesn't know who fiona nova is they're in for a 
flip and treat. Now, while she is a written character in this, she is a wonderful performer and a wonderful talent. And to put her as the lead is a remarkable choice. And I'm excited to hear her as in her role of Agent One in RVB Zero and to open up the world to the RVB legacy and maybe do that thing of, oh, this is a completely different thing. What about these other 17 seasons of this show? Maybe I'll start to watch that. Oh God, like you need another show to marathon during this time. But uh, <laughs> you do. We you all do. do. General you, you do. But um, <laughs> what did y'all think of the trailer? I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see more of this animation. I am... Um... Again, I'm I'm very plugged into the fandom, and so having seen a lot of the larger opinions, a lot of the theories, a lot of all of that fun stuff, it's an open secret that Red versus Blue has historically been real bad at writing female characters. Just generally speaking, in mm-hmm. broad terms, it has definitely gotten better in the later seasons, but just... Overall, in terms of character archetypes, in terms of relationships, like there have not been enough female characters and they haven't, they've definitely been female characters as written by men. There, there's been some execution issues. So now that we, and I, I, this is not to say that anyone's a bad writer or anything like that. Like we all have our biases. We all need more experience in our fields. Like, you know, there's, it's red versus blue. Nobody expects anything to be perfect. If you're expecting perfection, you're never going to find any media that you like ever. So I'm hoping with a new creative team, with a new set of characters, with a main character who is a woman, I am hoping that we can kind of shed that open secret. I am hoping that we have, that we can pass the Bechdel test, that we have (laughs) more Yeah, no, legit. I love this show so much, which means that I am also hyper aware of its shortcomings. I love it. So yeah, I'm I'm excited for this. I want to see where they'll go, and I am really, really hoping that they are able to overcome that these issues that have kind of been baked into the show from the get-go. I'm hoping that this not necessarily a completely fresh start because we're keeping the world, we're keeping 17 seasons of canon, and we're keeping the effects that Project Freelancer would have had on the UNSC as a whole, which, tell me about those political ripples world, I need to know. I need to know if the flood exists in this world. Someone tell me this. (laughs) All these Halo questions that just haven't come up in Red versus Blue because, oh God, the implications. Long story short, I am really looking forward to a fresh take on this show and i love what we've seen so far yes give it to me thank you uh i i really enjoyed this little sneak peek uh yeah like you said mark this it looks like there's a lot of motion capture um a lot of really cool animation um i don't know how i feel about the the live stream sort of introduction that being said uh like uh that I think it's just because we just watched recorded by Arizal. And so I'm like, I don't need another live streamy thing. But uh, that is honestly a nitpick and really, really not something I'm getting hung up on. Um, Way, way, way back when, when we were initially uh, 
getting into the freelancer arcs, like wait, what was that? Eleven and twelve, uh, whatever season nine they, and ten. Nine and ten. Oh my god, Megan, <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I I was really excited because, uh, like I I was really hoping we were gonna get some rich lore and as much as i enjoy those seasons i think that those seasons could have been like we could have had a greater emphasis on the freelancers and so it it came up a little short for me for um for those seasons that being said uh through as as the series has gone on um the anthology season was something i really enjoyed and as you said mark like the the uh the merc trilogy was i definitely think the high point of that season and i'm like give me more of this i i need i need more of this this is all excellent and i love it and that you know we kind of set that aside and then something that we've been saying for the last couple seasons anytime we would get together to talk about it is as much as as much fun as we were having watching the reds and the blues go about their <laughs> go about their their business and their shenanigans um we'd be saying stuff like what's happening here like you all you need to do is listen to uh RVB recall and i swear every other Every other conversation will be me and Katie going, well, what's happening over here? What's going on over there? What's What's happening on chorus? (laughs) (laughs) And so as much fun as I have with our reds and our blues and the people that they've adopted, the friends they've made along the way, (laughs) um, uh, like the world that has been built is inherently fascinating and you know this kind of fanfic of Halo, that that sort of thing. That, par- like, it's something I've always been interested in seeing how this world, this fanfic world, is different from the canonical Halo world. And any time we get glimpses of it, I immediately want more. Like we got with the Merc trilogy, and even like we got with the Freelancers way back when. And it never feels like enough. Um, we and we got. I think the most we got of it was in the anthology season. Um, like when we, when we focused on the episodes that Shannon McCormick wrote, for example, um, things like that. Uh, so I am excited for this group of characters. And I, I, <laughs> the, what I said immediately after the trailer uh, got done playing was I'm like, Oh, it would be very interesting looking at a group of people within the same world of red versus blue, only competent. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't get me wrong. Love our boys and girls, but they are quite silly. So it would be fun to watch a competent group of people do their thing. Which sort of, uh, I know Katie, you, you want junior, but that sort of goes into the legacy character that I want to show up, which is 100% carolina just so that she can be like oh my god some people who fucking know what they're doing (laughs) thank you thank you thank you (laughs) okay but locus locus yeah no like he could i i could imagine him being like a special op or hey we have a we have a um we have a um an informant or whatever like we don't know much about this world yet but it seems to be like high 
high performance special op sort of stuff. So that I, that I think that tracks as well. Megan, do you have any I, I, any no. thoughts? Or, sorry, go ahead. I would like to rescind my yelling of locus and replace it instead with Cyrus. Cyrus, huh. though, where is he? Yeah, I mean, if they could get the, I mean, I'm also thinking of like one of one of the things that stuck out to me, and this isn't a transition to Arizal, but one of the things that s- sort of flashed at, oh boy, we're at a different time when it comes to RT animation is uh, budget, like 100% budget. So who can we have? Who can we get? What can we maintain? Who can we pay? And I don't think, uh, was it Chris Sabat? It was Chris Sabat, yes. So, uh, no, he's expensive. So, I, I like... He's on the payroll for Ruby, though. <laughs> Fair and enough. you say that RT, <laughs> RT is not a stranger to recasting roles if they need to. Mm, that's so true. Very true. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if I if I may, uh, a character I would like to see return submitted for the approval of the Rooster Team uh, Society. <laughs> I would like to submit Doctor Gray. Yeah, a, a day in the life of Doctor Gray and how a group of normal people would react to her <laughs> <laughs> investigating her for insurance fraud. <laughs> yeah. It's just mad scientists are always just really fun. And I think she would uh, create a fun dynamic to play off of for these really for these special ops. I think I think that'd be fun. Yeah, I agree. The next part of the conference was about recorded by Arizal. Arizal, Arizal. I get it wrong every time. But this is uh, Issa's new show that started up a couple weeks ago with a couple of prologue vlogs uh, that so th- this is interesting because earlier in the year we got a preview of record keeper which i believe evolved into recorded by arizal i think the way that they were discussing the title during the conference made it sound like the it's not record keeper anymore it's recorded by arizal and have have y'all been watching it have y'all been enjoying it yeah, we we actually just watched the first two. She said there was going to be a four-part Four. prologue. The yeah. first two parts are already up. The first one, at the time of this recording, the first one is public. The second one is sponsor, first only, rather. Uh, we watched both parts. Thank you, Verve. And uh, it's been pretty great, you guys. I I fell in love with this show within, I want to say, 30 seconds. Just this, just and the first thirty seconds of the first episode are watching her trying to set up the camera and adjust things, and it's like, oh yeah, no, I feel that one hundred and ten percent. I am immediately sucked in by this character and by the little bits of world building that we get around the periphery. The idea that people generally don't leave this city, that these wandering archivists are needed to tell you how what the outside world is like, like. This is little bits of world building that I love, and it's a character that I just immediately fell in love with. I love the show. I need more of it. There's only been like seven minutes so far. I need like 70 more. Please give it to me. Thank you. Hmm. Fair enough. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it the what we've seen so far is utterly adorable and 
it is so easy to relate to, not just because we're people that regularly points a camera at our faces in our in our homes, um, but because it's about a you know a kid trying to figure out if this thing that she's always dreamt of doing is really what she wants to be doing for the rest of her life, um, and. I think that's really compelling and exceedingly relatable because everybody, everybody who's ever had a dream, I feel like as they grow up, has had to have that sort of reality check at some point. And what we've been getting so far is really cool just on that very personal character driven level. But uh, in terms of what Katie was talking about, the the tiny bits and pieces of the world building that we've been getting are fascinating. And I love seeing those elements of world building slowly being rolled out. Um, It makes me anxious to know more about the world. And I really appreciate that um, given the the sort of short form format that we've gotten uh, thus far, that it hasn't felt too exposition heavy or anything like that. Like the way we've been presented information about the world feels pretty organic like it's not it's not a narrator expositing what the world is like or or a title crawl going like long ago uh in this fantasy realm or in the future at some point like the the world building has felt very natural and i i really appreciate that and i i mentioned nomad earlier i really like that the character of arizal really reminds me of Scout in terms of somebody who loves learning and loves books and is a very, um, you know, very well versed in the world from an academic standpoint, but really hasn't gone out to explore as of yet to really get that hands-on experience. And I, I really like that sort of character where it's like, I've done all my homework. I know what's up. And then you go out into the world and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um, so I, I am very anxious to see uh, sort of Arizel, whether or not she's actually going to jump out into the world to pursue this dream or if she has to reevaluate to figure out what she really wants. So I'm, I'm very intrigued with all that. Same. I, I like the... The slice of life stuff is tends to be the type of show that I find myself enjoying more and more the older I get, which like the shonen whatever. Like action stuff is still cool, but if it's still the I don't know why, but the slice of life stuff is like, oh, this especially actually rather, especially now, oh look, normalcy. But <laughs> when it comes to uh Arizal, it was interesting to so the first episode was essentially like hey let's catch you up we don't have it it <laughs> I, I i say this i don't say this in a derogatory way this feels like a budget show so far i know this is a a prologue but instead of like it took us three seasons of ruby for quote the story to start like that's that's not like that's an ov- intense oversimplification of what the beacon era of ruby was but with the story being we have to stop salem we have to get the relics yada 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 we got three seasons of them being kids and them building their character up to a point of boom let's hit it and now 
the story begins. When it comes to Arizal, episode one is her telling you what she's about, telling you about her friends. You hear from her friends and that's kind of it. Like we're, we're getting a lot of base preface points before her going out and being a record keeper actually starts. And that's, that's not, I'm, I'm not like coming at it or anything, but I wish, I wish uh, this show came at a different era of Rooster Teeth. And there's a lot of interesting stuff said just sort of offhandedly. Um, the fact that this took three years for Issa, who is a Iwood figure, a senior member of the animation team to get off the ground. So, I mean, that sort of shows where the department has moved since 2017. But, uh, the, you know, if this was if this was a different time, they probably would have given this a lot of room to breathe as opposed to, hey, let's get this started and going limited assets let's go quick we bing bang boom we need something to fill this slot and i'm really happy for isa the fact that she got this show out there and what little sort of uh, interaction that we've had with her as a team has been all positive she's a wonderful human being and and i'm really happy that her show is on the air i wish that it got a little bit more time because this while she mentions Lonely Girl 15 and Lizzie Bennett Diaries as her as like inspirations for this. And that's great that it seems like the vlog style was always going to be a part of the show. Um, yeah, you know, you wish for a little bit longer of a runtime. You wish for a little bit more, but hopefully this really picks up and it gets the it it gets what it deserves as a creative property. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, you see something new come down the line. You see it created by someone who has been working her butt off and has had some incredible ideas, incredible participation. Like Isa is, I keep using this word, an incredible human being. And so you see something come down the line from her and you want it to be supported. You want it to get the budget and the time. You want it to come around for more runtime, more seasons, more episodes. You you want to see it succeed. And then it turns out that the seven minutes you have so far are just chef kiss quality. And that just doubles down on that. You absolutely want to see this show succeed. Yeah. And it's just the diluted, diluted, not diluted, excuse me. <laughs> it's just a little different. It's pure diluted, like storytelling. It's quick to the point you get what you need and you want to see more. And I'm at the point where, all right, let's see more. Let's hope by the time that these first four episodes finish up that the transition is as sort of, I went back and I watched the, uh, the hype reel from earlier in the year and the little bit that they show that they had of record keeper was not like super action packed or anything, but it's still it similar style. And it still could be this vlog format. And I'm interested to see how that evolves. How about y'all? Absolutely. I like I am chomping at the bits to get more of this world. I I want Arizal to pick up the camera. And uh, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of found footage stuff uh, or shaky cam stuff, but pick up that camera, girl, and get out there. Um, That being said, if 
there if the constraints of like budget and things like that don't necessarily allow for that which i hope that they do because this show deserves the best i want i want them to throw all the money at it um but if for whatever reason uh it doesn't pan out that way if the rest of the series is just this girl sitting in front of the camera i will I, like I don't say this often, but I would be okay with that because the <laughs> character is just that good and that fun. <laughs> uh, just the the little quick preview that they gave the next episode. I'm like, yep. If uh, if the entire series is just this girl in front of a camera uh, talking about her books and stuff like that, I would be content. Don't get me wrong. I want to see adventure and I want to see cool world building and things like that but i'd also just i would be content watching this girl just talk about her life <laughs> that would be okay with me yeah we watched that preview and then at the end of the preview that was in the panel i looked at megan and went oh i felt all of that like there's there's something about her that is just so relatable as a character even though she's in high school and you know i've been in high school for a while but it's it's just been a really fun show to watch, and I am down for this format. I am down for her taking it on the road. I'm also down for her staying in, and we get to hear from her friends. We In that second episode, we get to see her interview someone who is on the road. I would be down for picture in a picture seeing like a newsreel from the city and seeing what's happening. Like There's a lot of things you can do with this vlog format especially since there is a lot of interaction. We see her text from her friends. We see the picture in a picture interview. We, we get, there is a lot that this technology seems to be capable of. And so there is a lot more that this show can do with the format that isn't just point camera at character, go. There, there's a lot here and I can't wait to see more of it. And it's a way to utilize what sort of Issa was saying in the, in I say the interview in the panel where it's a little bit more of a limited asset show. It's not like new sets. It's not big wide shots. It's not vistas. It's not this and that, but it's still that character experience that rooster teeth is known for putting on. And I, once the, the first couple of episodes are over, I'm really hopeful that this show takes off a little bit more. Um, um, you know what it reminds me of? Not to interrupt, I'm sorry. No, that's fine, go ahead. Um, but it, like a big format that I am a huge fan of, I don't know if anybody anybody out there, will, if this is going to surprise anybody, but something I'm a big fan of is audio dramas. And you don't <laughs> and Surprise. And a big sort of constraint with audio dramas, especially in like... Um, our modern podcasting world is having to convey a lot of information without being too exposition heavy and also without the aid of a lot of visuals. And um, I have, I've fallen in love with just audio dramas lately. And it is a, it is a hard line to walk of like, how do I convey this information without, um, you know, without, there are limitations there. And so the way that a lot of the dialogue in this show um, is kind of woven to relay a lot of that information um, without being too expositive, 
but still having to get all that information across, it reminds me a lot of the a lot of audio dramas that I'm a big fan of, um, like serialized podcast audio dramas, things like that. So to me, I don't mind the limitations right now, but I, I wholeheartedly agree that I would love for this to take off and get all the support that it needs. But I am also comfortable with that limited that sort of limit those limitations within the format. I'm, I'm comfortable with it, but like at the same time, yes, just hand them all the money so that they can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And speaking of being able to do whatever they want, let's talk about transformers. Cause the, uh, war for Cybertron series, we've been hearing about it for a minute, but it's finally debuting on Netflix next week, I believe. And uh, it's it's been added to the Rooster Teeth animation slate in terms of something that the company is animating. And uh, now I think everybody can say that they're a fan of Transformers, like in general, whether it's like toys or I watched Beast Wars once or whatever. But being on the call with two, and I say this with, no hesitation experts on the, on the transformers franchise um i'm kind of just gonna turn this over to you because i like robots fighting but there's a lot that was discussed on here in terms of how how this fits into the timeline so please go go nuts well, it sounds like this isn't necessarily a spin-off or or a, the start of a new continuity or anything like that. It sounds as though this is a prequel series taking place uh prior to Gen 1. And for the uninitiated, <laughs> Gen 1 is uh the original series animated series from the 80s with Optimus Prime and Megatron. However, something they they did not clarify is whether or not time-wise this is sort of... Because I, I think it's hard to pinpoint it. Uh, Beast Wars is sort of a prequel-esque series that God. also takes place after the original. It's very mm-hmm. confusing. Um, so they they mentioned being able to bring in legacy characters. Um, so, But it's a prequel. So honestly, they could pull... And also like... Uh, they could pull things from any sort of given point in time, but I think for the sake of simplicity, they will probably just, and probably nostalgia a little bit too, uh, they will probably stick to, if any characters show up, they will probably adhere to their Gen 1 designs as opposed to um, the Prime Trilogy where everybody had completely new designs or the uh, Beast Wars Trilogy, you know, that that. I, that wasn't a trilogy. That was a two-parter. It was two was, parts. Yeah, there, yeah. Um, where like, uh, you you have the same characters, but they look differently every single time. I think if we're going to see returning characters, they will probably adhere to their original Gen One designs. That's that's my two cents. But Katie, what do you think? I mean, there has been a return to kind of the blockies, the blocky '80s cartoon sort of designs because those are the ones that people are familiar with. And while I appreciate seeing new shows, new iterations, new takes on things, and I will fight people over Prime being the best Transformer series out there. Because it is. Because it is. 
I, I can appreciate them kind of trying to go back to the roots, kind of trying to see what works. And the war for Cybertron and the fall of Cybertron is something that has been told and retold and re-retold in different continuities in different ways, depending on what angle you approach it from. So Transformers is a lot like most comics series in that continuity is made up and the points don't matter. You just kind of got to pick a starting point and go. And they have picked their starting point with, it sounds like, the classic Transformers series. So that's where we are. So for those of us who grew up on Prime or on Beast Wars or on Robots in Disguise or on on the anime, the uh, <laughs> on Armada, <laughs> there's a... Uh, this, this is going to be different from your normal experience, but that doesn't make it bad. So I'm in. I'm interested. I'll be interested to see what the tone is that they approach this with, who the, who the audience is supposed to be, because who is the audience for your show very much affects the tone of any given Transformers series. And you can really see that depending on this is the one for four to six-year-olds. This is the one for eight to 13-year-olds. This is the one that we're just trying to sell movie tickets to God and everybody. This one's for horse girls. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bumblebee was for horse girls. Fight me. Uh, It really depends. That really affects the execution of your show. So this being on Netflix, I'll be interested to see once it rolls that nice little rating up in the top corner of the screen, because that tells you what to expect. Uh, yeah. My name is Megan, and I'm here to tell you about the Transformers. No. Um, <laughs> um, for people who started listening to this podcast in minute like 42. <laughs> <laughs> um, something, and granted... I haven't consumed all Transformers media, but sort of uh, a recurring thing that a lot of Transformers series do is that they take place after the war for Cybertron is already done. Like, that's why the Autobots often end up on Earth, is because Cybertron itself has already been destroyed. That's not the case here. And granted, again... That's not to say that there aren't comics and that there aren't video games that have delved into this particular subject um, or this particular time period. There definitely are. (laughs) Um, But I haven't personally watched any of the series, like television series, that delve into the we're fighting for Cybertron right friggin' now. And so I, I like the idea of us going to before Cybertron was wiped out um, and kind of seeing how all of that came to be. I mean, like I said, Bumblebee touched on that a little bit, but like that was in the final, that was in Cybertron's final hours, so to speak. So, so to speak. Um, So I like the idea of like delving into the politics on Cybertron and like delving into the nitty gritty of the fight and maybe seeing it fall. I don't necessarily have to see it fall, but I like the idea of going to that point in time before the Autobots had to find a new place to call home. So that'll be, that'll be interesting for me. Nobody wants to see politics until like until they see it. Uh, And that's just me saying that nobody liked Phantom Menace when that's all that that was about. But um that's a that's a joke. Uh, 
I'm, I was going to say, are we going to have words? Yeah. <laughs> the, the comments are all like, <gasps> everybody saw, everybody saw Phantom Menace and was like politics. And now the, <laughs> and then the sequel trilogy came out and they were like, yeah, but what are the politics? We have to know what the politics. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I think the lesson there is that there's just no pleasing some people. Yes. There's very, just no pleasing very Star Wars fans. Very, also <laughs> very true. Let's be real. Um, something that I find interesting in what something that I find interesting is that Miles is Miles Luna. Hello is again, uh, tied to something called siege <laughs> because he's playing both the Teletran one and cliff jumper in siege. And we get a little bit of him in the clip that they showed, which cool. Great for him. Um, it's good to see miles in a, kind of rooster teeth production again but uh yes between genlock and this what what's the next siege product that we're going to be seeing miles in maybe he'll be a new operator in rainbow six siege who knows i was gonna say modern warfare (laughs) something yeah something like that um any any expectations for miles playing teletran one or cliff jumper as someone who didn't watch a lot of the original cartoon, because there, there there were rules as to what could and could not be watched in my house when I was growing up, um, as someone who really didn't watch a lot of the original, I have no expectations for either, especially since, again, Prime is the one that I'm most familiar with. And for those of you who are familiar with Prime, you know that Cliffjumper doesn't feature terribly heavily in that show <laughs> for capital R reasons. So, so if we are looking at this is taking place before the first Transformers series, then they're probably going to stick around for a while. And it's the characters that we don't see in that series that I am worried for because Transformers doesn't, as a canon, doesn't always necessarily believe in plot armor for characters. So we'll see. Like, I don't have expectations, but that's because I'm not as familiar with these specific iterations of these characters. Hmm. Yeah, uh, talking about characters not having plot armor. uh, Transformers the movie, I'm looking in your direction. (laughs) Uh, Dear Lord. Um, Something I, and, and this is something I say about basically every Transformers series that comes out. Just please let there be more female bots. <laughs> um, and it, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they've gotten a lot better in recent years, but for a long time it was just RC. And even in the, uh, even in the Prime trilogy, RC was like the main girl bot and um they i know for a fact that jeff klein had to fight tooth and nail to make sure she had the representation that she had so uh i just hope that this is an opportunity where we get uh, a focus on more more bots like rc and windblade and moonheart and (laughs) any other uh alita one yes oh please 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 um so yeah that's that's just that's just me doing my obligatory make sure we get more girl bots out there call. And rightfully so. Like one of the things that I'm sorry that I missed his name, but the director was talking about was the challenge of integrating what the toy releases are and working them into the show in a meaningful way. So as much as the the story could really use 
more uh, female bots. Um, I hope that that's something that Hasbro is thinking about as well. And maybe the opposite end of that is, well, let's incorporate and or create more characters that will then create a demand for toys. I hope so. Well, and toys based on female characters, like there's this whole thing about it's marketed to boys so the girls won't sell. And that is uh, patently untrue, but still one of those, oh, yes, it is known sort of things. So there's there's always going to be some question about character inclusion, etc. on a show that is meant to sell toys. And any toy-based show out there, you can kind of step back and take a look at it. Like Young Justice, we knew that this was an issue and that this was part of the reason that it was canceled and then later brought back because people realized that it was a good show and they wanted more of it. <laughs> but you always have to look at a, a piece of media that is predicated on toy sales. Look at those toy sales. Look what toy manufacturers tend to think in broad strokes and look at who owns the IP. And you always have to kind of take a step back and wonder how much of that goes into the scripting and production of the show that is meant to be a toy vehicle. And it's not just Transformers. It's every show out there that is meant to sell toys, capital T, capital S, capital T. So a little bit of media criticism for you guys out there who may not have considered that earlier. It's it's a factor, more so than we would like to think. And speaking of which, there is currently a sale on the entire Ruby line of products on the Rooster Teeth store, including various toys. And I mean, if there's a if there's a fucking excuse my language, if there's a a, a toy pusher, <laughs> uh, Ruby is a hell of a toy pusher. And uh, we've we found out in the Ruby portion of the show that they're going to be getting a good smile pop up parade Ruby, which is a a, a line of uh, models that I'm not familiar with but it seems to be one that the a uh, one mr carry shawcross is familiar with so it the more that ruby permeates into the different sort of generalized anime product chain that's there let's go with that um i think the more association that it has with i, I mean i don't know who's still saying that ruby isn't an anime but um i i think that it does better for the show just to be spoken in the same breath as all of these big shows that exist but um that that was the best transition i could come up with but in talking about uh ruby volume 8 we got or just ruby in general we got a couple of big things from here we got the uh, the aforementioned toy we got the volume 7 soundtrack which is going to be dropping at the end of the month um, they're going to be a. There's going to be a collaboration with Babs Draw, who's also done some stuff with Critical Role, um, and they're nice, so I've heard. Um, and uh, we got a we got a little bit of a clip. We got a clip of, of a of a joyride, and it put together Ren, Jean, Oscar, and Yang. And this it was sort of a. 100% a slice out of any sort of story, but I wanted to know where you think this is in volume eight and what 
what's going on. Let's 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 hear some predictions, starting with uh, Megan. Uh, well, first, I am super excited for the collaboration that they're doing with Babs. I've been following Babs uh, on Twitter for a while, and her work is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, it's it's utterly fantastic and i i could look at that artwork all all day long so seeing the the ruby the ruby characters done in that style is really really exciting um so that's cool um as far as the clip that we were given i'm going to be honest it was uh, a lot more lighthearted and fun than i was sort of expecting uh we talked earlier about the cliffhanger that we were left on um and so it's nice to see that like that sort of lighthearted fun is still there although i believe carrie mentioned that it's within the first couple episodes of the next volume um my take on this is that um that the the, uh, obviously, the city has had to be evacuated because of the imminent grim threat. And so because all of our heroes are wanted criminals at this point, they're having to find a way to get around so that they can make their exit as well. And so I think that they've gone to like an abandoned uh, depot where like um, they they had some military hardware but because the whole place is abandoned that's why they're able to get access to it and so that's that's my take that's what i think is happening at the moment um and it's cute and it's fun and it's adorable seeing oscar having to share a a motorcycle with yang of all people who is not like that I think it'd be more fun to ride with Yang than it would be with Jean because he looks like he's going as fast as he possibly can without having a panic attack. Um, (laughs) But like this was cute and this is fun. Um, And yeah, even though it'd be more fun to ride with Yang, it would also be conducive to a heart attack, I think. (laughs) So poor Oscar. I hope he's doing okay. But uh, all in all, this was a good time. I'm not going to lie. I have put exactly zero thought into where this clip fits in. I, again, because of the tone and because we only have a few characters in it, I would not be surprised to see it within the first couple of episodes, just trying to get the gang back together. I was mostly just happy that they found the boy and that he's okay. Like, (laughs) that's kind of where I am right now. I'm like, yay, they found the boy. He's not alone. Yay. So... I'm I am a simple woman with simple needs. And also you absolutely put the person who cannot pilot one of these on their own with the person who has the most experience driving one of those, even if that person happens to be a complete daredevil. So yeah, I, I appreciated this clip. Yeah, and it's good to see that the people of Atlas are they, they seem to be hmm. Maybe it's not, not there. Well it, well, yes, not there, but also Hopefully that this means that there's a little bit more of a unified front of, hey, let's make sure that everybody's safe. Uh, Barb said in the panel that the theme for Volume 8 is distrust. And we saw plenty of that at the end of <laughs> Volume 7. But I'm I'm hopeful that one of the things that did come together in between the finale and this clip is the greater good of, oh shit, we need to save everybody. <laughs> 
we need to make sure that everybody is staying safe because what what a theme to put out there of everybody coming together to make sure that everybody's staying safe who knew i was gonna say you you, you'd you'd think you would hope that the leaders of this country would be able to uh figure out that, yeah, no, this is actually a bad thing and we need to put previous issues aside and come together and keep people safe. But it, 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 Yeah, who knew mm-hmm. that a, a giant whale, a giant grim whale on its way uh, in, the, dist- in the, the forever distance would be a terrible thing to befall the entirety of this country, whether you're above or below. Who knew? Yeah... Yeah, I I will say that you guys know that I love Iron Daddy, and I hope why? he comes around before God, the the why? season's out. But I, yeah, I mean he's going to be our secondary antagonist. There is no question. Uh, and and until he comes around, <laughs> if he comes around, he's going to be a, a considerable threat to to our boys and girls. So uh, we're gonna have to watch out for him. Yeah, the ramifications of the end of volume seven are going to be pretty probably uncomfortable but in terms of in terms of in terms of a second daddy antagonist i don't think that uh i i i don't why are all of our antagonists parents (laughs) yeah why are why are poor daddies um i wonder Salem's a mom. Raven's a mom. Uh, God, why are all of our antagonists parents? It, that's why. That's why this show appeals so much to teenagers—a particular demographic. Just because uh, everybody hates their parents. You just don't get it, mom. Yeah. Um. But I'm. I, I wonder. Tyrion's an antagonist, and I'm not going to be calling him daddy anytime soon. Oh, thank you. That's thank because you. Because he's terrifying. He just. The, the, you know what the shame is is that somebody does like that's just the internet mark that's no that's what i'm that's what i mean is there people out there who are like who say terrible things that i will not repeat on air not that i've seen <laughs> not that i've seen them but things that i just think yeah, yeah, i'm gonna move on but uh i think the last the last bit of interesting news that we got from the ruby part of the panel was that volume eight is coming out quote this year. Now, traditionally this is like an end of October sort of a thing that takes us through to the beginning of the year with the release of RVB zero and knowing that volume eight has been under production for a very long time. And they're even starting writing volume nine who like we, we talked about it a little bit at the top, but I think having too much of an overlap for this would be a lot because like back during the summer of animation where it was one thing into another into another into another into another into another it it became a lot so i'm i'm curious if if you do think that there is going to be an overlap how much of one how much of one will would you be able to take would you be able to handle before it was i just i need a break from this intense intense emotions that rooster teeth animation is making me feel i am past the days where i can handle something like the summer of animation again i'm just those 
Those days are behind me. That was the before times when I had more energy and was actually getting sleep and things like that. And that, no, I don't have the emotional bandwidth to handle a brand new instance of Red versus Blue and also the continuation of Ruby when last we left our heroes, everything was terrible. Dear God, why? Not, 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 not in a pandemic, not during this year. Not, I don't. I don't flames, flames on the no. I just I don't have that bandwidth. I don't. So if I thought you were going to suggest that Ruby would be a summer show this year, no, because no, no, this no. year could mean anything, and we don't know how long Arizal is going to be. We don't know how many episodes we're getting. We don't know whether the production crews overlap in any capacity. So I'm kind of, if Ruby is a summer show, I will lose my mind and also be very happy about it. If it's not, I would not be surprised to see Ruby in October and Red versus Blue in August. Because if we look at Red versus Blue, if we look at a season anywhere between 12 and 20 episodes, getting eight of them out of the way before Ruby even thinks about starting gets you past the bulk of the season. So who knows? Who knows? There's this year and fall are not very specific either way. And us having pattern recognition does not change the fact that Rooster Teeth could just change everything up and not tell us until things were happening. Because who knows? Who knows? I mean, we've talked at length uh, in, in the before times of the problem that Rooster Teeth and the animation industry as a whole has had with crunch. And so what I'm hoping is that now, you know, obviously those are things that Rooster Teeth wanted to address in the before times. And I know that the pandemic has not made anything easier on anybody. But what I'm hoping that, like... I am an adult. I can go as long as I need to without my shows. Like, um, I have plenty to keep me entertained from now until the end of time. I have plenty of books on my shelf that I can read. BTW, a new Ruby book, is out. uh, So maybe support your local bookstore and go buy that. Um, But yeah, I and don't get me wrong. I, I understand being anxious for new content and being really excited for the next season. But my thought process is I want the animators and the cast and crew to take as much time as they need to, to, to deliver the show. And if that means uh, that we get red versus blue in September or October, and we don't get Ruby until December, I will consider that a delightful Christmas present. (laughs) And if things don't go according to plan and things have to be pushed back even longer, my thoughts are do what you got to do to make sure that the people working on your show are safe, healthy, and happy. So that that's my two cents. That's a good one. Um, Talking about August though, like we're getting that Ruby, RPG show, um, <laughs> tabletop Yay! RPG show that t- takes place in Mistral. Oh, yeah, and we, so we don't know how long that takes, how long the episodes are, et cetera, et cetera. So there's that. I wonder, honestly, if they're so ahead, and and this is me presuming. I wonder if they're so ahead that they can see how well 
Arizal is doing and is going to do and be like, all right, let's run Arizal, give it its time. And then if it's one, if it does well, which I really hope it does, if it does well, they wait until the finale week, boom, premiere red versus blue. And then since red versus blue is kind of a new kind of a reboot, soft reboot, whatever you want to call it, let that run, see how well it's doing. And if they want to get, if this is strictly numbers, if they want to get numbers up or, or ride or coast or whatever, if, if a show isn't doing well, do they premiere the next show? That's what I'm wondering, just so that they can keep concurrence high. And if that means Arizal runs, it has its whole run. They premiere red versus blue after that red versus blue has its run. They premiere Ruby after that, just so it's just this long chain of success. 100% about that. I want all of these shows to succeed because of the creators, the talent, the, the development, the animators, everybody. This is a very well-deserved team that deserves its work to be accepted, congratulated, and uh, lauded as this great thing. So I hope for the best for all of this release schedule. But I wonder if they they are 100% in control of, oh, the show's done. We can put it out whenever we feel comfortable. That, I think, is like the ultimate the the ultimate achievement of an animation studio is okay we're done let's not not to say that they're done with the entirety of zero right now or they're done with the entirety of ruby right now but to the point where the first couple of weeks are airing and they're finishing up the last couple of episodes that's a hell of a schedule and i guess we have yet to see how this works but you know usually by now through rtx we get dates we get straight up dates boom here's the announcement but with everything in the world happening right now uh, they they just want to make sure that i like like y'all are saying they just want to make sure that everybody's safe and if they can bring people back to the office sooner than they were expecting then maybe that means stuff can start sooner who knows we don't know uh, like like you mentioned, Katie, I, this seems like Red versus Blue has a different 3D team, and I hope that that's true, so that everybody can get what get done what they need to get done, and everybody can enjoy the fruits of their labor before starting right back up on the next season. <laughs> but um, it's uh, I I will say, especially in this time right now, it's great to have a uh, for like the animation business seems to be booming because that's something that you can do by your onesie that's something you can go into the office to do uh that is a that is a great job to have right now and so for all of the folks with that job security let's keep it secure man let's support these shows as they come out if you're listening to the show and you haven't watched ours all go give it a watch go watch the the uh, behind the scenes series that Issa's doing um go watch we have notes like there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff that that they're doing that Rooster Teeth is doing as a result of the quarantine. Um, effing around with Iffy and Fiona, um, uh, Iffy Wadaway, who's a, a host, uh, gamer, streamer guy that I, I used to work with every now and again back in California. I love him. The fact that he's on Rooster Teeth's radar and is with Fiona, who is also a, another like 
mote of light in this uh in this uh trying time that's a great just effing around streaming show they play games um hard like there's a lot of stuff right now that if you haven't watched from the rooster teeth brand go check it out there's some really solid stuff um anything else that y'all wanted to talk about from either ruby or the rest of this uh comic-con panel in terms of what you were saying about are they in control of their release dates um Given that Rooster Teeth is owned by a larger corporate entity, I'd say there's a few more Good hoops call. to jump through than any of us are ever going to be aware of because of the nature of business deals, NDAs, etc. So I, I I like the idea, but I'm not sure how feasible it is. They're they're not their own little company anymore. It's it, not just five guys in a building. Reading that was mine. a very 2015 thought of me. <laughs> well, and the other thing is, and I was talking about, oh, do you think Ruby is a summer show? I was thinking that like summer still has yet to happen and that we're not five <laughs> days away from August yeah. at the time of this recording. <laughs> time is made of circles and that is why clocks are round. I, I, it's quarantine brain. That is not the first time I've been like, what season is it? So um, please feel free to just dump that entire train of thought that I recorded about 10 minutes ago in the trash where it belongs because it's not applicable to life. So yeah, I have no idea how they're going to do any of this. I forgot that fall was as close as it was. What the hell? So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but I will be intrigued to see when these things air and I will most likely be watching them all because I'm excited. I'm going to go lie down now. <laughs> yeah, Halloween is less than 100 days away, so Christmas that's how Christmas is like 115 or something crazy like that I or like count, 150? I count by Halloween. You count by Halloween. <laughs> that's the more important holiday. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um for for me, uh, the the only other thing I want to touch on, Mark, you mentioned the uh, Ruby RPG series. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't one Eddie Revis going to DM that? Yes, he is the game master for that. Considering he's the lore master for both Ruby and Red versus Blue, not surprising. No, not not in the slightest. Uh, I just want to say that I am excited and terrified for what that man <laughs> has in store. <laughs> so that'll be a lot of fun. I also have to wonder if seeing a tabletop production of this, like, you, we can only see so much in the show. There's only room for so much in the show. So running a tabletop campaign, we're likely focusing on a group of huntsmen and huntresses that have literally nothing to do with what's happening in the show, aside from the fact that it takes place in the same world, presumably the same timeline. So what other insights are we going to get from this campaign? What grim are we going to see that we never get to see in the show? Because we know they exist in the world, but... We don't get to see them. What grim are we going to see? What semblances? What uses for dust? What world building are we going to get from this tabletop campaign that they just can't show in the show because of different constraints? I'm All excited. Right. I need it in my life. All I'm saying is that it's definitely going to help us with more uh, Welcome to Veil content. I'll tell you that much. Mm. <laughs> more story stuff more things that we can pull from in parody oh i'm all for it but more um, toys in our toy chest <laughs> if some of the stuff that we've done there if something parallel shows up in the tabletop campaign just because of a great minds think alike sort of thing i will lose my noise no i'm gonna text him 
be like, so did, 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 did no, you No, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna just flat out you son of a bitch. <laughs> and he'll be, and like, be like, What the hell are you talking about? Well, yeah, it'll be nice to talk to him. It's been a minute. But um yeah, yeah I'm I'm excited for that. I'm interested to see what the format's gonna take. And uh, how much, when, where are we going to have legacy characters show up? It's It could be an opportunity for some favorite one-off characters to come back. And I'm looking at TikTok. But other than that, I think... Uh, it, yes, it, I'd it, love more of her. <laughs> it's interesting that they stuck very much to what's happening. And it's we usually get teases or this or that or some some sort of a here's here's something else that we're working on but this right now seems to be this is everything that we are working on and we didn't get it's sorry to be a broken record but we didn't get any sort of mention of camp camp we didn't get a mention of genlock we didn't get which i that's the one that i found very interesting was that i it was very specific as to what they were going to be talking about and yet, we still didn't get anything from Genlock, which is supposed to be this very big series for them. And I would I would even say it has been a very big series for them. So uh, especially with HBO Max launching and this being supposedly being where season two was going to launch, I thought there would be something. But it was very like it. I, I can't hold it against them because they're like, <laughs> this is everything that we can control right now. This is everything that we're doing. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm happy with what we got. It's like I it's said also, earlier, you do what you can with what you've got. And I think that's what we're seeing. And there's it's nothing also wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's also in a world without an RTX where they give you every little detail, where it's possible for them to give you every little detail. The fact that we're getting sort of like, top of the line surface level stuff is different it's not wrong it's not bad it is different and we're just not that used to well actually last year's rtx was kind of like that too but regardless um this this was fun it was nice we got a we got a wonderful look at the the rest of the year when it comes to rooster teeth animation and it was uh it was nice to see everybody interact though that's kind of what everything has been <laughs> these past couple of months so um the, this has it's been a uh, a difficult time for everybody and we hope that you're staying safe out there before we go um does anybody have anything that they would like to say or promote or put over the floor is yours I'm Katie. You can find me all over the social medias as well as on YouTube and Twitch at Kiaxe that is K I A X E T if you like reaction videos to Rooster Teeth stuff, they live on that YouTube channel. I am also on an Overwatch podcast called On The Point. We talk about Overwatch and Overwatch League. And like I said, it that has been a big factor in keeping me sane. I'm very grateful that it's still going. So uh, yeah, join us for that madness. I'm Megan. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Manguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where Katie and I talk about horror things. Uh, and I do a Lost retrospective podcast called No Love Lost, where my co-host Will Link loves Lost, and I don't. And we talk about it. And I'm the internet's Mark Pedonica. You can find me on Twitter at Mark Pedonica. Uh, I Twitch stream sometimes. The uh, they've I was on a schedule, and then life keeps kind of happening. So uh, if you want to follow along with what I'm working on, just hit me up at uh, Mark Pedonica on Twitter. Um, 
Other than that, make sure to follow our fellow co-host Stacy Shuttleworth at Stacy Shuttles. And um, thank you, everybody, for for uh, keeping up with us and checking in, making sure we're good. Uh, it's been a it's been it's been a time, and we we hope that you're all okay where you're at. Um, if you're listening to us for the first time, welcome. Um, check out our Discord down below. Join the community, and we talk about a lot of things that aren't just rooster teeth so thank you so much for listening to this episode of rooster team radio and before we go we just wanted to say stay inside wear a mask support your essential workers black lives matter black trans lives matter black lgbtqia lives matter black lives matter arrest the cops that killed brianna taylor protest if you can support your protesters register to vote save the post office take care of each other because that's the only way we're going to get through this and of course stay safe Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.